0: Well, listen, today I want to start, I want to teach something a little, uh, new, and uh, I've called this You Serve a Big God. You know, I, I, Mom didn't know what what I was teaching when she picked out all the songs, and uh, as as usual, the Holy Spirit know, knows and brings everything together, but I want us to turn, if you got your Bible, to Philippians chapter 1, and and I want us to, we're going to build through this teaching today, and maybe the series, I don't know if it'll go on or not, but uh these notes that I have today for sure. I I want us to and challenge you to have an image of God that's big. In in the first place, we got to have a a big image of God is that he's big enough to deal with me. You could, I could point at you and and because I remember when I was first serving God or, or started serving God, gave my life to God, grew up in church, knew God, had gotten saved as a kid, but when my when my in my early twenties, when I when I gave my life, really about twenty years old, when I gave my life to the Lord, I still uh, fell short a lot, and so my struggle was that how God, am I really saved? Am I really where I need to be? You know, because I felt like I fell short. Now you could have looked at my life on the outside and not really seen a whole lot of it unless we were working cattle. That's a joke, a little bit, but come on now. That's not a joke. I mean, uh, it's funny. The other day, my, uh, my daughter is working for a vet. She's a vet tech, our youngest daughter, I should say, and she said something about, or the, the vet that she works for said something about, uh, he things got real intense, and they were, they were trying to uh, castrate this horse, and and it started waking up, and everything started going awry. And they were trying to hold this horse down. And and uh, uh, anyway, in the process of that, he he let a word fly. Then he apologized to her later. He said, "Man, I guess." But it's not like you hadn't heard your dad say that when during working cattle. And she goes, "No, really not." He goes, "Really? <laughs> I thought everybody lost it." I'm not saying I don't say a replacement word, right? But here's the thing. When I, was, when I first started serving God, walking with God, I failed a lot. And I think there's a lot worse things than, than, uh, than getting mad, losing your temper in, a, in, a, in the heat of sorting cattle. But, you know, here's the thing. As we grow with God and we realize how big God is, we start to see God transform even the, the most difficult areas of our life. But we got to, first off, see God as able. Now, I think a lot of times we see God able out there somewhere. We, he created the universe. If you believe in the cross and the Bible and all this stuff, even though you can't wrap your mind around it all, you believe that God's that big. But is he that big in your life? And I think that's the part of the hurdle, maybe the mountain that has to be moved in our lives sometimes, is I can see God doing it in me. Because you can see how God would do it for the preacher. or, or the. I remember as a kid... We grew up in Watonga in the Methodist Church there. Whenever we, I was a little bitty kid, uh, before my parents moved, moved to a different church and, and and stuff, but I remember he wore a robe. And uh, they asked me when I came here if I needed a robe. I just laughed; it was a joke. But I mean, they they did ask. and I'm, I'm not making light of that. But it just wasn't the style that I was gonna 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 do. But I, he wore this big robe, and I thought he was God. I, I, I remember as a little little bitty kid, I walked out and, and sh- was shaking his hand, and I was like, said something like, "Wow, I just shook God's hand," or or whatever. Is he God? That's what the question was. Okay, that's that's what the story how the story goes. Well, you know what? Here's the thing: the preachers, obviously not. We try to be the best we can be, but it's not just that God does great things for the saintly or the ones who appear the best, or the ones who teach the Sunday school class, or always it's for each and every one of us. But a lot of times we lock God out of certain areas of our life because not because we don't necessarily want Him there, but because we can't believe and we can't see it. We have to be transformed in all areas of our life. Our mind, our will, and our emotions, they have to turn. We have to begin to see God able to, that he's not only able to part the Red Sea, and he's not only able to to create this all this, but he's able to be, he's big enough to run the universe and small enough to come into my life, and come into my life in such a personal way that he knows I know exactly what you need, and I can do it, and I've got to be willing to say that. So I and and believe that. And I remember I used to I used to drive the tractor a lot back then, and. We farmed a lot of acres, with, and, and we were, I'd run a tractor a lot in the summertime. And, and I, I just remember listening to teaching tapes, and, and they were cassettes back then, and I'd listen to these sermons, and, and I'd hear the Word of God all day long, and I'd get off the tractor, th- and I'd built this understanding of God that He was so big that He could do anything. And as I began to see how He did that, He healed Sue when, when we couldn't or us, whenever we couldn't have kids. And God turned that around when we spent four well, was a year trying to become pregnant. We waited four years after getting married, and then all of a sudden we couldn't have babies when we were finally ready. And but I remember God starting. That was one of the areas, and all these other areas, one after another, how God just began to do these big things in our life. We saw Him whenever whenever Kelsey, our old, our first baby's hip wasn't fully developed, and he was going to have to wear a brace for a for a a year or some or nine months or something, and and. The doc said, "Oh, it won't be any big deal," and that, but we were like, "No, that's not what we were believing God for." And so we, 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 she and I, Sue and I, just believed God over and prayed over her, and we went back two weeks later, and we had the X-rays, and we went to OU, and and the doctor said, "Why is this baby here? I don't remember what the problem was." Well, in that two weeks time, her hip had fully formed, completed the the process that hadn't been. Had you know they did a little flex thing on him when first when they were first born and her hip you know it was wasn't quite right and we were like concerned and and but we prayed and saw God God answer those prayers but we had developed that understanding of God as big enough and and so today I just want you to to begin to think that that He is big enough and in Philippians one six he says God doesn't quit I say God doesn't quit He doesn't Get overwhelmed, and he, and he doesn't weaken under pressure. He'll finish the work he started in you. Can you bring that verse up? I, I didn't get turned over there, and I won't take the time now. But it says, and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it's, uh, until it's finally finished on the day when Jesus returns. You know, here's the thing. It's not where we start, but where we finish. That's absolutely right but understanding that there is a process. When we, when we begin a walk with God, in the first place that I want to challenge you to see God as big is He's able to transform your life into what He needs it to be. He can change you. I, I got a, a note from one of the, my classmates or, or a friend that was in, a couple years behind me actually, but his mom sent me a card after I had done a funeral. She said, you did so awesome. That was amazing. But did you, any of your high school teachers... Expect that you would be in the pulpit now, and I said, "Well, I just laughed because obviously they didn't." But you know, here's the thing: what God begins in us, He'll He'll be faithful to complete. But understand something: it's not always quick. We like fast. We get we 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 strategize. The other day, I'm 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 in the I'm in the food line. We stopped, and Sue needed a, a mix. If you've never had a Brahms. Chocolate and Heath bar mix. You have not lived. anybody ever had one of those? Yeah, you ever had? Oh yeah. See, if you like Heath bar, ooh, I love Heath bar, man. That is some serious. Ooh, and um, mouth starting to water. But if if we uh, so we stop and, and we think, well, we're, we've been down to see the new grandbaby, and, and so we, we we whip in there over there in Edmond, and we pull up there, and there was like four cars. And they are just crawling. There's two lines. and So we're strategizing. I, I hang back as long as I can to decide which one to pick, you know, like we do. And, and I pick the slowest one. And these people in front of us, and I mean, they're, they're edging along, and some people are getting mad, and they're pulling out a line. And I'm like, we've hung in here this long. We're just going to hang in. We, didn't, we weren't in a hurry. We were just hanging in. We get uncomfortable if we have to wait. I mean, I waited probably, we waited a whole 15 minutes probably. Felt like an hour and a half. I wanted my Heath. I wanted my mix, you know. I wanted my chocolate. But you know what? Here's the thing. God not only can do the things that take some time, but he can also enable us to have the strength, endurance, and patience to wait. I guarantee you, there have been times in my life when I would have said, I would have been honking or I would have pulled out. I saw a reel of these two ladies that got in a fight in the McDonald's uh, parking lot, and this one reached over the window or door and punched it, oh, it's... <laughs> Lord, forgive us. But impatience will make you do crazy things. One of the things that God can do amazingly is give you the ability to wait and to be patient and trust. And you know what will happen whenever we do that, when we just continue to, to trust God, is all of a sudden something will happen, and it seems like it all of a sudden happened when God was at work the whole time. You sit back, and, and we get antsy, we get impatient, but the God we serve is big enough to not only bring to pass what we need and what we want, but also if we'll allow Him to, to give us the patience and the strength, and the ability, and the wisdom. Because that's what, that's what he demonstrated in, in what we see in the process of him delivering the children of Israel out of, out of Egypt. Let's look at uh, Hebrews chapter 10. So, just so happens I had a conversation this earlier today about faith. But in this Hebrews chapter 10... I want us to go before we get to chapter 11. I want us to see in, in chapter 10, verse 35. He says, So don't throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Don't throw away your confidence, some of the translations say. Don't throw away this confident trust in the Lord. He's talking to, to Christians here, and he's saying, Don't throw it away. It's going to get rough sometimes. There's times things are a challenge. And, and I'm going to tell you this, just going back to my original thought of, of the growth that we see in ourselves, there's going to be times when you think, this is worse than it was when I wasn't trusting God. Not always, but there's times when you go, man, it was, I heard this conversation not too long ago. I've been really trying to serve God, and it seems like it was easier when I wasn't serving God. I'm going to tell you, there's going to be times... When it seems that way, because why? We have a, a devil that comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. And we're in a spiritual battle. And when we made Jesus Lord of our lives, we left the old Lord mad. He didn't like that. And he knows that if he can, if he can cause you to, you can back up. You've got to trust God. He's big enough. To get you through this time, this season, this, those hours. And, and there's gonna be times when it's easy. You pray and prayers are answered. There's gonna be times you just you just think about God and you feel and sense his presence. And there's gonna be other times where you can't feel a doggone thing. But faith holds you there. He's the don't don't throw away your confident trust. Remember the great reward that it brings. Verse 36. Patient endurance is what you need now. I didn't really plan on this message going all into this that I'm talking about, but I had this sense that some people need to hear that. You need some patient endurance. That's what you need now. So that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that He's promised. You know, He's talking about grander things, greater things, our eternity and those sort of things as, as well as, but, but he's also just talking about our daily, everyday needs. God wants to be that involved. I remember, you know, God just wants to be in our, in our personal life all throughout our day. I remember one time I was, I was uh, hooking up a trailer, and I laid my phone on the, I was, it was a flatbed trailer, and I laid my phone right there on it. I was probably talking on the phone, and had the speaker on or whatever, and I was hooking up this trailer, and I laid it on there instead of sticking it in my pocket. And I left the, the house, and I went down, and I drove, and, and I, I don't remember where I was going or what I was doing, but I remember the path that I took, and I, I left out out of my house there on Willow, and I went over to 42nd Street, and I went north, and I turned around that corner. Well, somewhere along the way, I lost that phone, and I didn't realize until I got down to, down the road to where I was going. I got ready to make another call or do something, and I didn't have my phone. I thought, oh, my. Where did I leave my, leave my phone? And so what do, you, what do you do when you lose your phone? The first thing you do is you want to call it, and you don't have anything to call. <laughs> and so anyway, I, there have been many times when I've lost my phone, and I've had to drive back or go somewhere to where I, I could have somebody else call it. And so it you know, but it was on silent, but I happened to have the beaker, the flasher that, that would come on, and I, and I prayed, and I said, God, you know exactly where that phone is. Show me where that phone is. And so I began to retrace my steps. I didn't know, remember when I lost it or where it was, but I, I thought, man, it could be a lot of places. Do you know where I lost it? I lost it as I came around off a of Willow onto 42nd Street, that's a dirt road, or gravel road, and I turned off of there, but I swung that trailer just so that it dropped my phone off the left side of the trailer onto the right-hand ditch so nobody ran over it. I didn't run over it. I, w- I could have, but I didn't but it, it dumped it at the slowest point so I'd protect my phone. Now, that's not a coincidence in my mind. Aren't you lucky? No, I'm blessed. God's taken care of me because I'm trusting God. In, in the midst of it all, I'm trusting God. And not only did I find it, but it wasn't even hurt. And so I had gone back in the process, gone back and got Sue's phone, and I, and I was driving around you know, calling it because I remembered I had that. Well, it could have been laying down instead of up to where it wouldn't have flashed but I waited, by the time I got to that point, it was almost dark, and so it stood out like a beacon. That's the kind of thing that we want God to be involved in our everyday life. You say, man, he's he's that personal? He'll do that? Yeah, he'll make you better at what you do. He'll make you wiser. He'll help you with your kids. He'll help you with your grandkids. He'll help you in a new job. He'll help you all these different decisions and things that we do. Now notice this, it says in verse 38, he says, "And my righteous ones will live by faith." Actually, let's read verse thirty-seven. For in just a little while, the one, the coming one, will come and not delay. There again, God's little while and our little while are two different things. We think, "Well, he didn't come; he just like no." His little while is, you know, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day to God. It's it's no no uh, that our understanding is limited. Verse thirty-eight. And my righteous ones will live by faith. But I will, I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns back. I tell you what, I want to make sure that I'm the one. I'm not one that would ever falter back, withdraw, back up. I love this. He says, that verse 38, my righteous ones, or the righteous, will live by faith. I know the thoughts of some people, probably not you, but the thoughts of some people would say, well, I guess I'm out because I'm not righteous. There again, what's faith say? Faith says, God, you said it, I believe it. God said we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus if we've made Jesus Lord and we've walked in his forgiveness. We're not righteous by our own standards. We're not righteous by our own deeds. We're righteous because Jesus gave us his righteousness, and that's how God begins to look at us. So we can't fall back. we got to live by faith. So we make this a way of life. I'm going to live by faith. I'm going to trust God. I'm, I may not always understand. He may not always give me the details of how He's going to do it, but I'm absolutely trusting Him to, to, to provide, to supply, to guide, direct. Verse 39, But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose soul will be saved. I, I love that, that, that attitude right there. Paul said, nah, we're not the ones. Nah, we don't do that. You ever do that with your kids? I, I did that with my kids. Every time I say, uh uh-uh, no, we don't do that. We don't, we don't do that. They start fighting in the car, there's four of them. No, uh-uh, we, we don't do that. <laughs> there's there certain things that we just said, uh-uh, no, that's not, no, not happening. That's just one example. But there were other times. There'd be other times whenever they'd say, they'd start saying, I just can't, or I just can't, or, this, or that, or they, all this doubt. I'd say, Whoa, no, no, no. We don't do that. Well, see, sometimes we gotta do that with a lot of times we gotta do that with ourselves too. We gotta say, no, I'm gonna trust God. I don't know where the jobs come from. I don't know where the money's coming, I don't know where the answers come from, but I know my God. And so we we shift and we change and we say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. We don't draw back. We don't don't shrink back. We say, okay, God, I know that's a big giant, but I serve a big God. We we take David's approach as, as a shepherd boy. He didn't kill Goliath because he was good with a slingshot. He was good with a slingshot, but that's not why he killed Goliath. He killed Goliath because he said, You're defying my God, and I come at you not with sword and spear, but with the word of God, with the power of God. My God is backing me. His, His strength was not in how many lion and bear. The only reason he needed the example of the lion and the bear was sure to give him confidence to trust God. I absolutely believe that. But also so that he could tell Saul, I got this. It'd be all right, because the king said, you're too young, you can't do it. He goes, no, I already got examples of how my God showed up. And you know, David took that idea through his entire life. And when he became, eventually became king, when armies would come against him, when when questions would come up, when his own weakness and failures put him at a point of, of being at odds with God, he always went back to his former victories and he, and he remembered them. So I always tell people, man, just remember when, what God's done for you. And if you don't have any examples yet, maybe you, you haven't really trusted God, you're just new in this, go to the Word of God and say, God, if you did it for them, you'll do it for me. But see, we've got to sometimes unlearn this thought but I just don't know how. And God's got to make it clear to you before. Well, that's not, that's not faith. Faith will say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. And all you need to do is show me when, where, what, the, the, the one step. Sometimes he doesn't give you the entire thing all at once. If he gave you the entire plan all at once, you'd mess it up most of the time. Or you'd just go, I can't, oh, no. I guarantee you. When God starts something, He finishes it. But we need to have a faith to trust Him. You may be praying over a certain situation. You may be struggling with things in your own life, your personal life, your family, your finances, whatever, your health. But God's able. He'll he'll remain. You remain faithful. God remains faithful. You need to take that verse 39 and say, I am not one that turns away from God, that backs up. I'm 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 a faithful one whose soul be saved. And I thank you, Lord, for it. Because let's look at, at Hebrews 11.1. 1. Because it says here, faith... Now, I'm reading the New Living Translation, a, lot different, a little bit, quite a bit different, but not as much different as, as you'll think than the King James, which is how I... and New King James, which is how I know it. And then I went to the NIV for a while. So I'm going to compare all these words in this definition. It's pretty awesome. Because all the different translations use different words to explain something so that we have a better understanding, a clearer understanding. But it says that faith is, or faith shows, the reality of what we hope for. Now, I found it interesting. It's the first time I'd actually taught or studied it out of this translation. So I wrote out what the ESV says. The ESV says assurance. And the NIV says confidence for that word reality. Now, what we got to realize is faith is a, a confidence, it's an assurance, to the point that it is a reality to us. We begin to see it. We begin to realize it. We begin to understand it, even though it's not yet here, it's not here yet. We've got this knowing on the inside that, that gives us an assurance or a confidence. You know, I used to measure or or ask God, I said, God, how do I know? Because we know that if we pray, Mark 11, 23, and 24, we talked about a few weeks ago. When we pray in faith, believing, and don't doubt, that God says we can have that prayer answered. So how do we get to that place where we no longer doubt and, and that we absolutely believe? And how do we measure that? And one time I was praying, I was asking the Lord about that, and it was, it was that assurance. That's why the most important thing we've got to be assured of is our salvation. That we're God's. We're all right. It, it, if we can come to that place, then we can keep coming to God and the devil can't talk us out of anything. And he can't use condemnation to beat us away from the place that comes before God. In my notes, eventually, some maybe next week or two, we're going to get to the place where the example of how Moses sought God and His presence. Well, unless I have an assurance that I'm okay can't come boldly into His throne room. I can't come, in, or in other words, into His presence and ask. And then when God says it or promises it, provides it, I can't always believe it. If I don't have faith, to, to, then that assurance. Faith shows or is the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things that we cannot see. Now, I like this in the second half of this definition of faith that word evidence in the New Living Translation, in the ESV, they use the word conviction. It, it, it's a conviction. In other words, it's a, it's a knowing or an assurance. They tra- interchange the word assurance in the NIV. You say, well, why do all these translations say different things? Because when they're taking the original Greek text and they're trying to explain it in English terms, sometimes it takes multiple English words to get the meaning. So I don't have a problem with the different words, different translations as long as they're saying that same thing because sometimes what it helps me with is it gives me a word that I connect with. I'll be honest with you, I used to have to keep my dictionary out when I read some translations because they said words I didn't understand circumspectly. And some of these words, that, uh, what, what is that? Super, superfluidous. I didn't even know how to. I didn't even know how to, I think. I called that superfluous, or I don't remember. I said something really bad, my wife just laughed at me. I was like, Well, I didn't know what that meant. I think I said it from the pulpit one time. I said it entirely long, wrong. I don't even remember where that, that's an original King James, and, and, and it was a difficult word. So I, don't, I, I, I just know that whenever you get ready to translate, it, it's a difficult thing to bring one. Sometimes an English word, you, you experience this with like Spanish, translating from Spanish. I remember she's bilingual and, and uh, uh, here just got her citizenship and all that stuff, and so proud of her. But she can, the translation sometimes difficult. Sometimes you have to say a sentence to get the explanation. I remember the first time I ever used a translator in uh, Mexico. I was ministering there in a, in a church in Monzanillo up in the mountains, actually, and uh, I'm preaching away, and I'm telling a joke which I learned is not very productive trying to tell an American joke in a, in, in a foreign country. And the translator just looked at me. He was like, I, I got nothing, you know. So anyway, I, I had to learn to really be simple, and, and it, was a, it was a challenge for him. But that's why sometimes you hear people translating, and they say one little sentence in English, and, it, and then there's like two, two or three sentences. To, to, to They've got to go around about roundabout. Well, see, to me, this just gives me a more confidence in my uh, definition of faith and my, my analyz- analyza- analyzing myself. Am I in faith? Am I truly believing? Do I have an assurance? Am I confident in what I'm reading, what I'm believing for, in what God said? Well, you know, if you don't, here's the thing. You just go, you keep going to God. You keep going and sowing the word. You keep pursuing God. You keep seeking him. Say, God, show me. Reveal it to me. But faith is that assurance, that confidence in what we hope for. It is the evidence or the conviction, the assurance of things that we cannot see. You know, the thing is, when we think about God and how big He is, there's going to be times whenever we're believing for, we're praying for, we're asking for something that in the natural seems impossible. You might be, be praying and asking God for something that you can't even begin to think, how in the world, how are we going to do this in this economy, or in, you know, with this person, or with that, whatever, whatever seems to be impossible, there is nothing impossible to God, and so we bring that before God, and we begin to pray, begin to seek Him, and as we begin to take His word on it, here's what God will do, He'll begin to show us what He's promised, what He says about it, then we begin to apply that, and that confidence and assurance comes, the evidence comes. Now, verse 2 he says, through their faith, the people in the, in the days of old learned or earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. In other words, God created something out of nothing. Over there in Romans chapter 4, when, when Abram... Became Abraham when Abram got the promise. It, it it said that he believed in God who who called things that were not as though they were. Or in other words, he made things that were of nothing into something. And it also says that he made what was dead alive. It didn't matter. In other words, the the situation God was big enough to deal with all of it. One of my favorite one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament is is when Elisha was a was the prophet, the man of God was. There. and and they were out cutting some wood, cutting some firewood, and the man lost his axe head that he had borrowed in the the water. Now, it must have been cold or something. I was like, why didn't you just swim for it? You know, maybe the guy couldn't swim. I don't know why, but he calls to to Elisha, and and he he says, hey, my axe head was borrowed and it's now lost, and he's crying out, and Elisha just takes a stick and sticks it in the water. Oh, that'll work. I'm sure if he would told them all, okay, y'all stand back and watch. I'm going to take a stick, and I'm going to stick it in the water, and the thing's going to float. And they would have all laughed. We know scientifically there is no way that this works. Steel does not float in a flat, dense, I mean a ship can, but it's because of the air cavity and all that stuff. But they knew it couldn't happen, and yet it did. Why? Because God was able to change the situation the circumstances. God floated this axe head. You think, well, why didn't he just run to the hardware store and get another one? Well, they didn't have a Dollar General on every other, you know, on every other corner. They, they couldn't go to Atwood's, you know. They, just, they didn't have that stuff, right? But it was greater than that. It was that he had borrowed it was one thing, but also that God demonstrated the impossibilities becoming possible. And you say, well, I don't know if God really needs to do that. Well, maybe he doesn't in that exact sense. But there's a whole lot of things that I thought were entirely impossible that I've seen God do. I've seen God do a work in in drawing people in here from all different directions. I've seen God do amazing things just continually. So listen, as the introduction to this sermon, I didn't get very far in my notes, but as the introduction to this sermon goes, I just want you to begin to see God big. I, I know that in each and every one of your lives, The greatest gift of all, the greatest miracle of all is salvation. I know that. And I know from some of you, and I could make a little, crack a little joke, but we all were at a condition that we didn't deserve it, and we could never have earned it, but yet we get that, that we receive that as a free gift. But here's the thing, that's just the tip of the iceberg. That's the beginning. It's the most important, but it's the beginning of a life of faith that allows God to begin to give you wisdom and strength and patience and endurance and the capacity to love, the ability to forgive, the, the, the ability to be transformed from somebody who was, who was something else other than God's best. I started to fill in blanks there, but there's so many things to fill that in with. But God's able. But we got to be willing to see Him. we got to grow in that. It comes through that relationship with God. I am so, one of the most exciting things about the ministry God's called me to is that I see people getting the word of God, putting it in their hearts and being transformed over and over again. Men and women, young and old, God transforming lives. It's what excites me as much as anything else is seeing this word go to work. So let's stand if you want to stand where you are. We're just going to close in prayer. And I just challenge you to, To think big. This time in this world, this place that we're in right now, this world that we're in right now, I mean, there's a whole lot of scary things going on. I know a lot of you have just turned the news completely off. And I I don't propose that you should watch, I don't encourage you to watch a lot of news. But we need to watch enough to realize there's stuff going on. We need to be praying, seeking God. It's election that's coming up. can't get here quick enough, but we got to pray that things happen the right way. And we gotta, we got to believe God. Here's the thing we know. Regardless of what goes on in the rest of this world, God is going to take care of His own, and we're going to trust God. We're not going to shirk back in fear. We're not going to worry about the 401K or the whatever. We're going to trust God. If one job dries up, one source of income. There's examples in God's word where, a, where the, the Elijah was being fed and provided for beside a stream, and that stream dried up. What God say? I'm going to move you right over here where there's another supply. God can make roadways in the wilderness and streams in the desert. He can provide. So I just challenge you, don't be in fear, but also don't, don't stick your head in the sand. We need to be in prayer. And seeking God, asking for his wisdom. So let's pray as we close. Father, we just come before you. Lord, we thank you that you're a big God. And in the midst of all that's going on in this world, our faith is in you. And God, I know that that there are many things that could come in this this life and in this world. But God, I also know that we have example after example after example throughout 66 books of your Bible of the Word of God of you making provision for your people who are faithful to you. And God, I thank you and I praise you that you were never slack and you were never overwhelmed and there was never too much for you. But God, we just come before you and trust you. The Lord will continue to do the things you've said to do. We'll continue to follow you. And Lord, I pray for anybody who, who just maybe just is at, a, at, their, at their end, that they don't know what else to do, that Lord, God, I thank you that we can come and we can ask and that, Lord God, you show up in our lives. So, Father, I just praise you and I thank you for it. Lord, I just ask that if there's anybody within the sound of my voice who's not made Jesus Christ Lord of their life, just really hadn't settled that. Maybe they've held back for one reason or another. But today, they've heard that you, you're not holding anything against them, that you love them. And that, God, I thank you that they'll call upon the name of the Lord for the word says that they can be saved. And so, Father, I praise you that they'll contact me, get a hold of me, so that we can pray together. The prayer is very simple. Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. And you rose again. I ask you into my heart, into my heart, into my life. Forgive me. Make me the person I need to be for you. I believe you are my Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.